So let me begin by reading the same passage that we looked at last week. We're going to meditate on a particular section of this passage and look at that a bit more closely. So it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 23. Paul writes, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Paul says that this is foolishness, and he says it is weakness. And he talks about the cross as a stumbling block, or actually as the uh, Greek word is scandalon, or, or could be translated as scandal or scandalous. He says the cross is scandalous. It's weakness, it's foolishness, it's scandalous. Uh, he also says uh, that he is not ashamed of the cross. Now you can search religious texts around the world and you'll be hard pressed to find anything that talks about uh, being ashamed or not ashamed in such blunt terms. Foolishness, weakness, scandal and shame. And this foolishness and weakness and scandal and shame it's not because Jesus died. Of course, up until recently, for us in the Western world, death has been sort of a, a taboo uh, subject, uh, which we talk about in, in hushed tones. Uh, of course, in America, we know people don't die. We pass, right? We don't die, we pass. Uh, but of course, the pandemic may change all of that. But in the Roman world, in the ancient world, Death was a daily business and it was an up-close and personal business. And so the Romans and the ancient world and Paul who lived in that world had none of the scruples and sensibilities and sensitivities talking about death in hushed tones the way that you and I might. So the foolishness and weakness, the scandal and shame is not because Jesus died but because Jesus, more precisely, was crucified. You see, crucifixion was something else. We must first of all try to understand the degree of public disgust at crucifixion as a method of execution. It wasn't something that you talked about. It, it was not just death or even a painful and tortured death but it was designed to be the ultimate insult to personal dignity. Degradation was the point. One historian puts it like this, executed publicly, situated at a major crossroads or on a well-trafficked artery, devoid of clothing, left to be eaten by the birds and beasts. Victims of crucifixion were subject to optimal, unmitigated, vicious ridicule. It makes the victim's life a total absurdity, as if to say it's all totally meaningless. Is this how it all ends? The literary critic John Waitman, examining the theme of the absurd, says that one might even claim for a brief moment, Jesus himself was a near absurdist as he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Crucifixion, you see, takes us into no man's land. It takes us into this extreme end of dehumanization. Uh, 
godlessness, God-forsakenness, the place where God is not. So there's the first layer of this scandal, this stumbling block that Paul is talking about. But there's, there's something else here beyond the dis- public disgust over the degradation, something else that violated the minimal standards of ancient decency. Tom Holland is a historian and author of a book that came out last year called Dominion, and he says this, the Romans, even though they had adopted the punishment as the supreme penalty, were so disgusted by it that they refused to countenance the possibility that crucifixion had originated with them. Only a people famed for their barbarousness and cruelty could ever have devised such torture. It must have originated with someone else. And perhaps they had a point. Because, you see, before the Romans crucified anyone, the Greeks had crucified people too. Here's one account of one such uh, Greek crucifixion. The great Persian king Xerxes was the greatest king the world had ever seen. He ruled over the largest empire the world had seen. But the king's desire to conquer the entire world was dashed when his governor, Artaxes, lost the Persian foothold in Europe to the Athenians. At first, Artaxes, the Persian governor, uh, barricaded himself in the nearest stronghold. And after a long siege, he and his son made a successful escape in the middle of the night. But it was short-lived, and he and his son were captured and dragged back in chains. And then this, Artaxes, the Persian governor, was crucified, was nailed to a board, and his son was stoned to death in front of his very eyes. To execute the Persian governor on the very spot where the great Emperor Xerxes had first stepped foot in Europe was to send a clear message. It was to say, it was to say to him, look, you are not the God of the universe as you claim to be. It was to cut this self-proclaimed God down to size. So the Greeks crucified people too. But the Greeks were also utterly disgusted with this method of execution. And so they also couldn't countenance the idea that it came from themselves. It must have come from someone else, probably the Persians. And they would have had a point there as well, because four decades before Xerxes, his own father, the Persian king Darius, had put up forests of stakes on which his enemies died. So who knows where this barbarism began? The Romans could blame the Greeks if they wanted to. The Greeks could blame the Persians, but they all did it. And the reason why they did it was to send a clear message that your God, your king is not a God, but our king, our king is a God. And so here we find the deeper scandal in the cross of Jesus Christ. Divinity in the ancient world was reserved for heroes, the greatest of the great, the kings, the victors. Its measure was to be able to humiliate and torture your enemies, not to suffer it yourself. But paradoxically and scandalously, as Fleming Rutledge points out, she 
She says this. The early Christian preaching announced the entrance of God upon the stage of history in the person of an itinerant Jewish teacher who had been nailed to a cross alongside two of society's castoff to die horribly, rejected and condemned and discarded onto the garbage heap of humanity, scornfully forsaken by both elites and common people. So you see, people would have been offended not just by the degradation of the cross, but by the Christian claim that in all of the dehumanizing treatment, Jesus not only held on to his humanity by continuing to reflect the image of God. If you remember, we say this is the definition of what it means to be human, to reflect God's image, but also that in the cross of Christ, we see God most clearly. Tom Holland puts it this way. The idea that a man who had been crucified might be hailed as a god could only be seen by people everywhere and across the Roman world as scandalous, obscene, grotesque. So people were scandalized by the degradation of the cross, for sure. They were also scandalized by the idea that this is where we would find God. But the thing that really scandalized people, the thing that people always find offensive, is to have your whole world of values turned upside down, to suddenly have a new order brought into existence that disrupts or even perverts the status quo. The cross is disturbing precisely because it ushers in a scenario that requires the re-evaluation and possibly the reversal of everything that was previously considered important. God on the cross, this was to force a great subversion to the way people held all their values and their morality and their relationships in, in their society. It will no longer be the wealthy, the powerful, the proud who will rule the day. But the degradation of the cross is where we find God. This turns everything on its head. And so Jesus says, blessed are the poor and blessed are the meek and blessed are the humble. Early Christians saw in the cross the total subversion of the values undergirding the entire civilization of their day. There's this fictional story that says the, uh, the deity of Christ was added in later in order to control the population. It's the complete opposite. This is where the offense is. This is where the scandal is. The pagan gods presided over the hierarchical structure of Roman society. The crucified God undermined it all. Might we see the same shattering insights in our own lives in our own day? Will we, as we go through these coming weeks, allow the cross to subvert and reevaluate everything again? In Jesus' name, amen.